Well, invariably, we start off by chatting to our friends from Freedom of Religion South Africa. 4SA is a legal advocacy organization which works to protect and promote your constitutional right to religious freedom in South Africa. And this morning, we have the pleasure of being joined by Daniela Ellebeck. She is an attorney of the High Court of South Africa, and she serves as a parliamentary liaison. She's also a graduate of Rhodes University and is specialized in litigation Daniela, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Mark. Always a pleasure to talk to you and your listeners. Well, it's really great to be with you. Um, You didn't actually send the cold weather last week up to Gauteng, so thanks so much for that. I think last week it was raining um, down in Cape Town. I have family in PE, and on Friday it was raining. It it got cold up here, but we didn't get any rain up here. Now that we've hit spring, I'm hoping you're going to tell me that it's currently raining in Cape Town, and we're going to get some some good rain up here in, in Gauteng later on in the week Mark I hate to break it to you but I'm actually in Gauteng Um, I was invited to address um, the APK Synod on Wednesday night so I've actually flown up and fit in some business meetings work meetings for SA meetings um, during the week as well Okay. so I can only tell you what the weather in Gauteng is like at the moment it's nice and sunny blue skies trees are in bloom yeah it's great it's great up (laughs) here But you did not call in to be our meteorologist for the day. <laughs> Daniela, we're going to chat about some of the issues that are facing us as a country in the ongoing conversation between the church and the state and how that affects religious freedoms in our land. Um, my understanding is we're going to start by talking about the Single Marriage Act. Yes. Um, so... The Single Marriage Act is something that the state has been investigating for a while. And listeners might wonder, okay, why why is the government looking at making a Single Marriage Act? What's, what's wrong with the marriage laws as they are at present? And the short answer is, is that at the moment, we don't have one law governing marriages in South Africa. What we have is a bunch of different laws governing different types of unions and some unions which aren't covered and protected by the law at all. So, for example, um, your marriages that would be concluded according to Islamic or Hindu or Jewish rights, Mm. those aren't protected um, by law or recognized by law, which means that if that marriage then dissolves upon the death of a spouse or divorce, then, um, for example, the women and children are often left vulnerable. Um, with no legal recourse and so they don't have the protection of the law and this is something that has gotten the state into trouble with the courts on um, numerous occasions and the courts have basically said to the state no we can't have this situation of vulnerable parties um, occurring because you haven't done your job and recognized all the types of marriages that occur in the country so the state set up um, last year with a dual parallel process um, of looking, okay, how can such a single marriage law look in the country? Uh, And so, I mean, what's the current status of this report uh, or or bill? What what, what is it, a report, a bill? So with the dual parallel process, um, what you had was the South African Law Reform Commission and their job is to look at the laws in South Africa and see whether they need to be reformed, you know, and updated and changed. Yeah. So, the one one leg of the process was um, the South African Law Reform Commission looking at the marriage laws, and um, as a result of that, 
um, overview of the laws, they proposed two draft laws known as bills. Mm-hmm. And they opened those up for public comment last year. You might remember yeah, that. Yeah, I do. Yes. So, and Forest Air ran a big public participation campaign. And I'm sure numerous of uh, Radio Pulpit's listeners also participated, which we would like to thank you for because your voice really matters, as you would see. And um, they are now in the final processes of they've evaluated all the comments on the proposed laws and they have put together a report. And they are in the final processes of editing and finalizing this report before they hand it over to the Minister of Home Affairs, which is the second leg of the process. So simultaneously to um, the Law Reform Commission looking at the laws and proposing these two draft bills for public yeah. comment, uh, the Department of Home Affairs, who obviously is in charge of registering marriages and a bunch of other things in South Africa, um, undertook a process of looking, okay, well, what, what are the policy positions that the state should adopt? Um, so what, for example, should the policy positions be when it comes to solemnization of marriages? Um, what should the policy position be when it comes to civil servants registering marriages and solemnizing them and so forth? What types of marriages should we recognize? They, they looked at everything. Mm. It was a big document. I think you might recall it was the Green Paper. Ah, so that's a draft policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then that becomes a white paper. they would paper. say, okay, so this is the, this is the problem. Yeah. Here are the different proposals of how the state could tackle it. Proposal yes. one, proposal two. Yeah. Yes. And um, so this happened simultaneously. Okay. Um, or very closely after the um, Law Reform Commission's bill. So I think for us, it's been quite a lot of time saying to people, no, these are two different things. You need to comment on both. The ones the ones of pull, the ones of policy. Yes. And... We want again want to thank every listener who participated in that because in May this year the final version of the policy by Home Affairs um, was gazetted, known as the white paper. So a draft yes. okay. uh, policy Got is it. a green paper, and a white paper is the final policy. Yeah. And because of the public comments that people sent in, uh, the policy, the white paper adopts really good policy positions. Excellent. Um, it, it is, and in our analysis, this. White paper is very balanced and it recommends policy interventions and positions that are reasonable and will really accommodate everyone um, in South Africa's diverse society. And importantly, it um, recommends that the scope of who can be marriage officers is widened, um, which means that people from every social group will be allowed to become marriage officers and to officiate and solemnize marriages that are in accordance with their values. And this is important because it means that the policy doesn't recommend that religious marriage officers be forced to solemnize marriages that go against their religious convictions and beliefs. So that is really good, is that we see freedom of religion, freedom of conscience being protected in the policy positions being put forward. And instead of forcing a certain group of people to do something that's contrary to their beliefs, they say, okay, no, let's make it open for everyone so that everyone can do what they believe. And that's a really good policy position. It's very reasonable. Okay, so I mean, and, I'm just um, I'm just putting yes. this into conversations that we've had in the past. The recognition that South Africa isn't a secular society, but there does seem to be a healthy separation between the state and religious organisations in and beliefs in this instance. Yes, um, I mean, the, in South Africa, we have what's called the doctrine of entanglement, which means that the courts and the government should get involved in doctrinal issues and tell churches what they believe. And I mean, that's also um, 
religious freedom, right? Is that you should be able to believe what you choose to believe, be able to start religious organizations and for those religious organizations such as churches to have the autonomy to determine what they believe and how to live that out and what their positions and so forth would be without the government telling you because the moment you have the state telling you what you can or can't believe and how that should look in the public realm then you start getting into interference of state state interference of the church Mm. and i mean touching on that point of the separation between church and state this white paper actually has a really good position that it puts forward that Forrest A recommended, which is, you might remember that um, the Civil Union Amendment Act removed conscience subjection from the civil marriage officers. So not your religious marriage officers, not your pastors who are registered as marriage officers with Home Affairs, but your employees at Home Affairs, whose job it is to register marriage officers. And up until the Civil Union Amendment Act, um, the state-employed marriage officers had a right of conscientious objection. And the state had the duty to reasonably accommodate them. So let's say um, myself and you were both employed as marriage officers in Braamfontein and Gauteng. And um, I had a conscientious objection to um, being forced to participate in a solemnization of, um, for example, same-sex wedding. I would say to the state, look, I have a conscientious objection because um, I work for you and I have the right to religious freedom, you need to reasonably accommodate me. And the state would say, okay, well, Mark, do you have problems? And you would say, no, I don't. And then the state would say, okay, so we- I mean, do we have to clarify this for listeners that this is a hypothetical situation? (laughs) No, I'm only kidding. Carry Um, on, please. Okay, well, we can use (laughs) hypothetical scenarios as well. and yeah, so the so the state would um, have to reasonably accommodate us, you know, yes. and vice versa. If you had the issue, you had the conscientious objection, and I didn't. Yes. So there were practical solutions for the state to 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 actually accommodate civil servants. Yes. It chose not to do that. Um, what happened is that the Civil Union Amendment Act was passed, and it removed that conscientious objection from civil servants. So even in our early meetings with um, the Department of Home Affairs, Forrest they said, look, no one is saying that people shouldn't be allowed to get married in this country and that their marriages shouldn't be recognized. But why are we even involving civil servants, uh, like a marriage, um, your Home Affairs marriage officers in things like solemnization, which by definition, if you look at solemnization, it has to do with the religious and cultural rights pertaining to a wedding ceremony. And that's not what the state's interested in. So why are we even using language like this in laws and forcing civil servants to participate in this? Because surely what the state is interested in is registering the marriage, making sure that the parties involved in the marriage are um, able to agree to it, that there's, um, you know, what the property regime is, what, you know, laws are going to govern the children and things like that. And they agreed. And this is actually the proposal that's put forward in the policy is that... Pardon, civil servants, civil marriage officers um, who are required to perform marriages for all members of society won't be performing any ceremonial functions related to the uh, solemnization. Okay, of churches, I get it. Which is a wonderful, wonderful separation between the function of the church and state because what you're going to be doing is, all home affairs is going to be doing is registering your marriage. It's just yes. going to be an administrative function, an yes. administrative inquiry. Okay, you're not prohibited from getting married. Okay, both of you voluntarily consent. Okay, you understand the property regimes and you, you've chosen this one. Okay, great. You know, and literally that is it. Okay, which I is understand. Which is all you need from the state, really. You don't need them to be involved and you don't actually want the state to be involved in things like 
um, the ceremonial and solemnization functions. So, so Daniela, where to from here? Uh, I mean, you, what's the next step or where are we in the process? Or where are you in the process as FOSA? <laughs> so FOSA is always lobbying and meeting with the different arms of government and MPs of parliament. Um, to talk about what they what the work what work they are busy with and what the religious freedom concerns and proposals can be. As I said, you know, even um, before the Green Paper was gazetted for comment, we already met with Home Affairs and proposed, for example, the splitting um, of the ceremonial and administrative functions for civil servants. And we met again with the department last week, Wednesday, and um, basically they said they are aiming to have a draft bill ready by March next year. So what we have is we have the um, Law Reform Commission's report of what the public thought about their two bills, and that's going to go to Home Affairs, and Home Affairs' policy that says, okay, these are the policy positions that that bill should adopt, and Home Affairs is then going to look at the Law Reform Commission's report on what the public thought about its bills, it's going to look at its policy positions, and it's going to draft a bill. And it's going to aim to have this bill ready to be tabled in Parliament by next year, March, which I say to them, that's quite a high aim. Let's see what happens, but they are, they're pushing hard to get this done. So yes, we're going to keep on following the process closely. And if this bill opens up for public comment, when this bill opens up for public comment, rather, we will analyze it. We will make listeners aware of it. We'll do what we normally do, which is template submissions and partnering with DRSA. And so people can have their say. And again, this whole marriage policy um, situation is an example of how people say and how listeners' use of their democratic right to have a say on the laws in this country actually affect really important things. Mm. Absolutely fascinating. I have no doubt. Well, in fact, I, I know that listeners are interested. While you were talking, number of uh, number of folk just uh, um, commented uh, in terms of uh, finding it very educational uh, from Anger and uh, Carmen said great interview and a couple of other people came in with comments. So I know that this is something that intrigues listeners and interests listeners. If they have additional questions, if they would like additional information, if they would like to subscribe to the 4SA newsletter, I'm going to point them in the right direction because that might be helpful uh, to the listenership. Um, guys, you can go to www.4sa, that's F-O-R-S-A dot org dot Z-A. And uh, on the 4SA website, it's a really self-explanatory website. There is lots of information. There's video information. There's written information. Um, and there is a newsletter that you can sign up and uh, get more information. Um, yeah, Daniela, thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning. It's an absolute pleasure and privilege. Thank you for having us, Mark. God bless. Cheers. Bye.